years ago, I, I would have people training me for a year and go, who, what's your name, buddy? You know, now I know everybody and everything and everything they want to accomplish. I talk to every parent and, and that, and I do it not because it's a good thing to do, which it is, but I do it because I'm genuinely interested and I really feel. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Morning, Ali. Nice to be with you, sir. Hey, it's always good to be with you, Dwayne. So, and honestly, it's good to be with someone that is in the trenches like you and doing the same thing every day like me, you know, and having someone kind of going through it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that I could talk to and, and we've always been good for each other that way too, right? Like being able to bounce things back and forth. Yeah, even before COVID, but especially during COVID yeah. and, and now, I mean, it's still continuing. Having, having, I don't know, I was quite appreciative, still am, of our relationship, being able to, like you said, bounce ideas back and forth and, yeah. you know, those type of things. So, Yeah, and you know what's funny? I, um, I, I don't know if you read, but I posted on our page, Martial Arts School Owner Talk, that I had a run-in with a parent. And first, before I even get into that, I, um, it's so deflating. Like, I, I, for the school owners that are listening, I mean, some of them are probably pretty good at just blowing it off, but I, I am not. Like, it's always been, and look, I've been doing this for 30 years, and it will literally zap me of my energy. You know, my, my fiance and, um, and, uh, daughter will always say like, Oh my God, I can see like you went from level 10 energy down to like a one. I literally could pull the blanket over my head, turn the lights out and just watch TV because that's how depressed or deflated I get when things like that happen. And I know it's bound to happen, but it still affects me. But the good news is it only affects me for like a day and a half now, not like a not month. a week. <laughs> yeah, not a week. You know, like I'm able to get over it pretty quickly. So, but it's uh, quite harsh, you know, and, and people don't realize what we go through. No, I would agree with that. And and today's uh, topic is uh, superior customer service and yeah. how we can make sure that we are delivering that to, um, you know, our clients and our, our customers. And and so I think this is a perfect topic. What a way to start it off with, right? With the yeah. fact that you had, you had someone that was not uh, happy with their customer service. Right, right. Do you, do you want to uh, yeah, talk about I mean, it right now? Or like do you want to Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the reason why we're having this conversation is because we're like, hey, that's a good topic to share with others. And and quite simply, you know, our, our topics a lot of times are things that we're going through in our lives. And we're like, hey, you had a struggle with this. We should do a call about it. You know, and that way our listeners are taking the journey with us and learning um, from our experience, or maybe, you know, they've had it themselves and they feel reassured that they're not alone. So anyway, long story short, I'll, I'll quickly give you a synopsis. So I have um, an amazing little girl, seven years old, just training with me for two years. I had a dad who seemed to be an amazing guy, loved him. We always had great conversations. In fact, he sought me out, wanted his daughter to train with me, brought her specifically to me. And we've had a great relationship for two years. Uh, COVID hit. Um, and during year one and the mom called me up, you know, with a very, she, she calls me condescending and, uh, and, uh, you know, arrogant, but, uh, I feel like every time she called me, which is twice in two years, um, the only two times I've ever met her was on the phone. She's never once stepped foot into my school. Um, never once saw what we did in person. Um, and when she did call me the first time, it was about her husband not being allowed to sit in the lobby 
when uh, classes were going on when we came back from COVID, not my choice, Cuomo, our governor's rules, his mandates, you know, nothing to do with me. I have a beautiful lobby with empty chairs waiting for parents to sit in. Right. So I explained that to her and she was just not having it. Well, then we're going to pull our daughter out. I said, I'm really sad if that happens because I don't have control over this. I want you to sit but I can't. Well, my husband's not going to sit outside the window and watch. I said, why would he? We have three camera angles. You could sit in your car on Zoom with three amazing angles, literally like 40 foot away from where you would be sitting in the lobby. You'd be sitting in your car. Um, anyway, lo and behold, that kind of all went away. The kid continued to train for a year. And just recently she trained and came in. I wasn't there. My daughter was there and she taught uh, with my other instructor. And um, then the mom called me up livid about her daughter training with someone who did not have a mask on their face. And um, I'm assuming like, wow, we paired her off with someone without a mask and her daughter has a mask. Lo and behold, I find out that the father sent her without a mask. Um, and uh, she's mad at me, the mom. And I'm like, I didn't have anything to do with it. And I said, I'll do my best to make sure she's always paired off with someone with a mask and or I'll separate her so she could do something different if we don't have anyone with a mask in the class. And she wasn't happy with that. And I said, ma'am, whatever I could do, I will do for you. If you want to cancel your agreement, if you want to put it on hold and then come back into it two months later, whatever's good for you, I'll do for you. Anyway, after we're all said and done, she sends, writes this scathing review about us, like literally that, and makes all these stories up that, you know, we have no air conditioning in our school. We don't have a place for parents to sit. And I'm like, so I responded, long story short, I responded to her nicely. I, I wrote a few different responses and kept and waited before I sent it out. And then, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause you know, you're in the heat of the moment, right. And you get angry. So I, and I also posted it on our martial arts school owner talk page and got a whole bunch of people's opinions. And then I woke up and I kind of took a whole different approach and just said, listen, I want to do the right thing and yada, yada, yada. And um, she then fires back with a text message that I sent to her husband saying that your wife just wrote this terrible review about us. And I, I wrote to you and said, I do whatever you want. Like, so she goes, you see, this is the kind of man he's trying to get my husband to change my honest review of his school. And in the start of her review, she says, um, my husband was super happy. My daughter was super happy. My daughter learned a lot in the program, but I did not like, I did not like it. So I'm like, and she's kind of contradicting herself. So, oh yeah. Anyway, long story short, it bothered me for like, you know, uh, two days and, you know, I'm writing emails and it wasted, it consumed a lot of my thought and energy, which it probably shouldn't have. I should have just wrote a quick response and, and been done. But I always have found, and maybe we get your opinion on this is, uh, you know, that if you don't respond to a nasty review, even nicely or uh, with some factual information, people will believe it's true. But if you put some information there and you at least give the, the reader a chance to read both sides, it's better for the school owner. What do you think on that? Uh, I don't know in all cases that that's true. And, and uh, what I mean by that is I know, um, you know, this was what, three months ago, two months ago, whatever it was when I got COVID and then also my head instructor and we had to close for about, well, it was only a week and one day. Right. Um, I, there was a grandma that posted, you know, a review on our Facebook page and that she was absolutely pissed that, right. you know, we were there without masks and all this other stuff. But the problem with that was twofold. One, um, you know, her grandson did wear a mask. Yeah. Which is fine because anybody that wants to wear one can wear one. Yeah. But two, I saw her sitting in the lobby without a mask. She didn't right. even have a mask on. Right, right. But I wasn't going to put that online and have an argument with her. Right. They just didn't come back. I didn't put anything on there. I don't care. 
So on that one, I didn't even write anything. Mm -hmm. um, with regards to yours, uh, I, I don't know. I kind of like to talk face to face or over the phone. Right. With those type of things. Now I understand that some people are, um, like you can't do that with because they won't have a logical discussion with you. Right. Then, yeah, I do think that, you know, writing something like, like an email and then a, an additional post um, that, that uh, maybe even the post says, you know, part of what the email says, but, you know, for the other readers, it, it just, it, it tells them that you are, you know, look, I, I tried giving you a call. Uh, you wouldn't answer my call or return it. So I yeah, sent yeah. So please refer to the email um, with regards to your issues. Uh, I do believe that I tried to solve all of them. Like, I don't think you need to write it all out on the response. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? It does. And I, you know, this was based off of a, a conversation on the telephone. So there was no other step other than meeting in person, which she refused to do. And, and it's quite obvious. Listen, I, I know that, you know, sometimes I'm not the favorite flavor of ice cream. I'm a very powerful personality. I talk with confidence. I, I'm very absolute when it comes to knowing what I want and what I believe. Um, but I try to do my best to make sure that everyone is uh, feeling that they're being heard. Um, but, uh, so she just was not having it, you know what I mean? And that way, and then the review, she posted the review after I thought we had, you know, Hey, listen, Dwayne, whatever you want, if you want to cancel your agreement, just let me know whatever you choose, right? It's up to you. I want you to be happy. That's how it was left off. Then the scathing review came. And then there was a lot of, unf you know, facts, you know, she said that we didn't have good COVID protocol, that we didn't follow safety. We were the heaviest as far as, you know, in fact, in my area, people would come to me as school owners and say, Ali, what are you doing? You know, like, so we were so, I mean, parents would come to me and say, your school is so safe. It's the safest activity my kids do. Right. right. So, so I believe there were a lot of lies and I think that sometimes we just have to address them in a kind way, a non-confrontational way, like, you know, meet a fact with a non-fact, right? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. No, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Give me just a second. I, I, I apologize. That's okay. Uh, my it, wife needs to borrow my car and uh, that's why I got up because I put the keys outside of my office oh, door okay. and then shut cool. the door. So <laughs> I had to text her and say, Hey, they're sitting outside my office door. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, and I think, you know, uh, responding in that way saying, you know, we, we did follow protocol, you know, we do have other school owners that actually refer to us. I think, you know, writing all of that is, is totally fine. Right. Um, but, but, you know, getting way deep into explanations um, on those yeah. posts. I don't know that that necessarily needs to happen. Yeah, and, and by the way, did you read the post of the original one that I was going to send out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that I didn't send that one. But I sent one almost as long, but it definitely wasn't the same vein of, of topic. Like it was less um, tit for tat, less, you know, I'm going to show you what we did and what you're saying you did is a lie. Like I was much more compassionate and I understand, trust me. I mean, the only two issues we've ever had, this woman and I, are COVID-related, that things that are beyond my control. And you know what I find interesting is that in this day and age, people think it's just okay to destroy a business reputation. And um, what they're not thinking, though, when they do this is that there are multiple people that they're hurting. They're not just hurting me. They're hurting the students. And if they hurt me enough and my business goes out of business, then they hurt all the people. They hurt the employees. They hurt the families of the people they're talking about. And the viciousness is just there's such a, a disconnect um, with typing something viciously on a computer about somebody. Um, 
um, then, uh, you know, and I found myself almost wanting to review products and say something negatively about something that I had an unhappy service about. And I stopped because I didn't want to do what I'm saying. And it, there was much more of a deeper effect to it. So it's kind of sad that we have to deal with this stuff nowadays. Yeah. So I guess the, the, the thing is, what, what can you learn from that? And how do you prevent it from happening? Because that's really true uh, superior customer service, right? So how can I, how can I preframe my potential and also, you know, new clients uh, in a way that they understand how things are going to run so that they're not getting upset? And but you can only do what you can do, because I'm sure what you did was what you did all of those things with the father who was bringing the daughter in. Right. But the mom herself was not getting that information or chose right. to not look at that information. And exactly. there's nothing you can do about that. Um, right. I, know, I don't know if you've updated your agreements, but we've updated all of our agreements with regards to COVID and you know what our expectations are based upon the CDC. And now whether they read it or not, that's right. not the problem. Right. But they well, have to read it. I'll tell you one thing that gave me a, years and years and years ago, we're talking probably 15 years ago. I had this dad who was this miserable dude and he'd always bring the kid. He was the one bringing him, but he always had a snide remark. He, he literally would like antagonize me by bumping me and stuff like that with his shoulder, like to try to walk straight towards me. And I would move out of the way. Like he was very aggressive towards me. And then finally, at one point I freaked out. I'm like, first of all, it looks like you, you want to fight with me. If you want, we can take our shoes off and go on the mat. If that's what you want to do. I said, but I don't know what your problem is, but I'm tired of it. It's been going on for way too long. So I'm going to give you a refund. And I wrote him a check and send him and his kid off, which his kid was awesome. Now, here's the interesting learning thing that I got out of it. About uh, two hours later, the mother comes walking through the door, who I loved. And she said to me, she sat me down and she says, you do realize that he's only 50% of the of the parenting equation, right? She goes, yeah, he's a jerk at times. He's got an attitude. I don't know what his problem is, but hes I can't control him. And my kid is going to suffer because he's a jerk. So you have to understand that I like you, you like me, you like my kid. Now, just because he's a jerk, you shouldn't punish the child. Um, I don't remember if they, I, I let him come back and then eventually they quit. Um, but at the same time, I did hear what she had to say. So like in this particular case, I only dealt with the father and the daughter. And we had a, I really liked the guy. Like we would chat and, you know, it was a great, great relationship, I thought. And I feel bad because I do think that the guy would rather have kept his daughter in our program. And um, the mother just won. You know, she's, she probably gave him more hell for being on my side than not. And he just threw his hands up and said, okay, never mind. Right. You know, so, um, but anyway, customer service to me, I have a whole list of 20 things, but let me just throw like one or two out and then maybe you could add a few on. So like um, the number one thing I think about stellar customer service is to learn about the customer, right? To learn what they look for, what they want, who they are as a person and um, really understand that first, right? Because until we do, we're only fitting them into our mold of what we think, right? And we probably think much differently than they do. So to really know the client. So what are your thoughts on that? And how could we go about really putting together something to know them? Um, well, I think that also kind of stems with, goes all the way back to, you know, who's your ideal customer and who do you want walking through your door and who are you marketing to? Um, because I, I would say that that's, you know, 80% of the battle. If you're bringing in the right people um, into your studio, you, you know, it's not going to take very long to connect with them and understand who they are and what they want. 
Right. So I think that's the first step to to connect with them is one, you need to know who your ideal customer is. And if you've never if you've never gone through that exercise before and um, really decided who they are, um, you really you, you need to do that. You need to come up with who your ideal customer is. And, and from the standpoint of um, uh, monetarily, um, you know, morally um, and just all of those things need to be taken into consideration. So, you know, um, so and and then also your ideal customer could be you only really want to work with somebody that's seven to because you know do i will i accept three and four year olds yeah do i advertise for three and four year olds no because okay. I, I don't want three and four year olds but right. i have a three and four year old class just because it's something that some people do want right five and six year olds do i want them no but do i have them yes and i don't mean that i don't want them but I have a five and six year old program. Right. To me, my sweet spot ages for me, my ideal customer is anywhere from uh, seven to 11, 12 year olds maybe, but seven to 11, just because the way that our program is structured and by the time they reached certain ranks also, um, you know, the, the leadership, like, and by certain ages, they'll be hitting the opportunity for leadership and then our storm team and then right. becoming an instructor in training and then becoming an instructor. Like I kind of backward engineered that to mm -hmm. fit the model that I've created, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. So, so I guess like, for example, and I know this is probably not even where you were wanting to go, but well, you, no, no. I, you know what? I'm, I think that's what's great about our conversations because, like, you know, you and I drift into other things at times that are not off topic, but just a, an opinion on the topic. And it really creates a lot of thought. Like, I'm thinking in my head, like, so if I owned a vegan restaurant, I could, and I go to a very, very good vegan restaurant, and I often wonder, it's always packed, and I often wonder how many people are actually vegan. But how many people are actually interested eating a eating a vegan meal, right? So um, for them, I guess they have a very wide net that they could fish from, right? But let's say it was you know a militant vegan restaurant where if you ate meat, you weren't allowed through the door because you're contributing to, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah. so I love the, what you said about the ideal client and finding people that fit the the sweet spot of what we specialize in, right? So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, and again, I'm not sure that's you know necessarily where you wanted to go but i do think in order to you know um cut a lot of headaches out of the way <laughs> is you you don't want the wide net of bringing everybody into your school right. you want to know who you want to work with uh from the get-go or, or or you can have a wide net but when they get into your school then you're able to narrow down to make sure they're the ideal client right so that and then of course you want to cast a big net and capture as many leads as possible then they come through the door and by the way in my free month program i have a whole entire month of communicating our value system and what we do and the yearly commitment and being a committed parent however i just had a parent that just signed their daughter up yesterday um and i said or, or said she wanted to sign up i sent them the contract digitally and then she said oh i didn't realize this was a commitment and even in the email i said i'm going to send the contract out for the 12-month commitment and um she said well how do we cancel and i said well we don't that's why it's a commitment unless it's you know medical or financial difficulty or something's going on you could just come to me but um we want people to be committed for at least 12 months at minimum i mean listen you want me to work hard at teaching your kid this art that it took me 53 years to learn you can't give me a year of commitment 
you know, you, you, so, so I get that not everyone is our ideal client and we want to kind of, um, fish that out as we're, as we're going. Right. But, um, knowing the customer I think is important. Meaning like what kind of parent are they? Like, what if the kid doesn't want to go? Like I had another lady say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come in for a trial class. I can't get my six year old out, out of the house. He's got anxiety and I don't want to push him. And I'm like, well, that's why he's got anxiety. You got to encourage him, encourage him to come out so that we could help you with the problem. But then in my head, I'm going, why am I digging myself in to try to deal with this crap when I could probably just get, and I don't want to say this, but a kid who probably has less issues and less work to join my school. But I'm willing to do that to help people. So you want to know your client, right? And that's so important. What, what do they do for a living? Maybe they're an advertising executive or a chief. I never knew this. One time I had a parent and the, the student and said, uh, I didn't know you wanted to act. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. He goes, oh, you like soap operas? I'm like, uh, not really. I don't want. He goes, well, I am the head casting director for uh, for Guiding Light, the TV show. Can I just throw your resume out? I'll get you on the show. That that easy because I I didn't know him, but he then heard. So we never know what we're sitting on either. So we want to know our parents. We want to know their clientele, what they do for a living, what their choices are, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, so that we could kind of really work with them. It makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, and and we do what we call a discovery session. Yeah. Um, we use the, uh, the spark, um, forms for that. Mm -hmm. And it's just a bunch of questions that I ask to get feedback on, you know, what they're looking for out of the program, who their child is, um, you know, just, you know, um, uh, you know, why they, why they, you know, initially wanted to enroll their child into martial yeah. arts and just a bunch of other questions, but that helps me kind of understand, uh, one, their, their, you know, their pain points, right. You know, uh, but then two, it gives me a, it gives me a gauge on where they're at. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you hear people say, you know, what's, the, when you want to go somewhere, what's the first thing that you, you got to decide? And most people say, well, you got to decide where you're going, right? Right. No, actually, you got to decide where you're at first. Right. True. Right. That's the most important thing. You know, yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is we've got to find out where our student and our parent, because we're not just dealing with the student, especially if it's a kid, right, we're right. not just dealing with the student. We're also dealing with the parent. And so that's twofold. We got to find out where the, the student is at and where, where the parent is at. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is ask, uh, you know, the right questions in order to find that. I love it. That's a great one, a questionnaire. And by the way, ask them if they what the kids like, dinosaurs, horses, you know, unicorns. I know that sounds silly, but then you're like, hey, Johnny, you're going to work as ferocious as a dinosaur. You're going to be as fast as a unicorn to the little girl. Well, and and even their favorite thing. colors. And if they have a pet, like it, that right. should be in that questionnaire and just say, love you know, the, yeah, part of our discovery session is, you know, finding out a little bit more about Johnny, what, is, what his favorite color is or what, you know, what uh, if you have a pet, what's your, what type of pet in their name, you right. know, just some of those small little things, because then, you know, I don't have a dog, but if I did, you know, I could say, you know, Oh, you have a, you have a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a dog. You have a German shepherd. I got a German shepherd too. And I understand, right. you know, and I, I wouldn't say this. I wouldn't say, you know, I understand your German shepherd's name is Sparky, but I would just say, Hey, what is your dog's name? Right. Like right. I got them to tell me. And even though it was already in the questionnaire, but, you know, and, and, and then I, we also, in that discovery session, we put in there, you know, how many, how many siblings, uh, that they have as well. Well, part of that is because I want to make connection to, you know, uh, to knowing the child and the family. But the other part is I want to know if they have other children that could potentially do, uh, you know, the program with them. 
right, right. And, and you know what? I think that's good, though, that you have a parent that you know is interested in getting back in shape. You have your health coaching business that you also could work with people. They don't have to join in your school as a martial artist. But if you get to know the people better, there's such a vast area of where you could take it, right? Like I just recently had a parent say to me, hey, my daughter's going away to college this year and she's going to be going to the city. Do you do any self-defense courses or could she join for a month or two just to get some basic understanding? So it's always good to poll or uh, question your clientele. That leads me to number two, which is recognizing your industry what turns people off and learn how to nip that in the bud so like if you get to know people more and you know that they don't like something or they're looking for something in your school um, and you're not giving it to them it's super important for them to be able to uh, communicate that with you so that we could give them a better understanding yeah so like what what's a for instance would you say that that, that turns people off maybe or maybe it's a misconception yeah, well, I think anyway, we're, we should be good at this already. Like, for example, someone calls and says, hey, um, hey, and, and I've made this mistake and learned from it. They, and they're like, uh, I got them on the phone. I'm talking to them about the class. And they say, hey, do you like uh, teach Taekwondo? And I'll go, yes, I do. And they go, oh, that sucks. I hate Taekwondo. Right. So I would say now learning from my mistake, do you like Taekwondo? And if they said yes, and I go, well, we don't actually teach Taekwondo, but we do things very similar, the kicking and the blocking and the kata and this and that. Um, or if they said I hate it, I go, well, we don't do anything like Taekwondo at all. And knowing Taekwondo, I tell them what we do that's different than Taekwondo. Right. So um, that's one thing, knowing what turns people off by asking and, and feeling them out. But we kind of know, you know, like if there are certain things that we constantly hear continuously in our program um, that maybe people say that we do or, or they've heard from other schools like, oh, they're a belt factory or the school down the road, you know, doesn't teach weapons or, you know, so I'll always take the things that I know are special about my school and I'll make sure that I talk about those things that I know other schools don't do. Like, for example, we don't charge for belt testing. So I'll say a lot of other schools do. Some of them don't, but the majority of them charge for belt testing. We include it all in our price all the way up to black belt. So you'll never have to pay for a stripe, for a belt, for a certificate. It's all fully included. And that normally costs you $200 extra a year at most schools. So I kind of nip it in the bud because I know certain things that I should be talking about. Does that make sense? It perfectly. And then I, like I even years ago came up with a, uh, um, uh, oh man, it's a, it's a report. Right. I can't even think of the name now of the report. Uh, why can't I think of it? Oh, um, questions to ask a martial arts school before joining. Oh, right, right. Or the seven questions to ask a martial arts school before joining. And when I have people, and I haven't had this in quite a long time, but when I would have people say, you know, yeah, well, we're going to check out other schools. I, and I would just say, great, I think you should. Because the worst thing you can do is get your child, you know, your most precious gift into the wrong school. Right. And I usually have, I would have parents look at me like, wow. And I'll say, in fact, let me go on because this would usually happen during the enrollment conference. So I would go over to the uh, office and say, you know what? I actually have a report that you're going to want to read because there's seven important questions that you're going to want to ask. And I can right. tell you what they are right now, but you ain't going to remember all seven. Yeah. So I go and I get that report and I bring it back to them. And uh, um, I, I would say nine times out of 10, those people always came back and signed up with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and one of it is like you're talking about. Um, uh, you know, are there any? Are they any? Are there? Are there any hidden fees? Right. You know, I call them hidden fees because usually they're not talked about up front. 
Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I'd put a negative spin on what somebody else is doing. You I know like what I'm yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got a little distracted because I'm watching us on Facebook and then it said video interrupted and then, but it came right back. So, um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it kicks us off for some strange reason. So um, I, I love that too, though, that you're almost like turning your marketing against the competitors because you're saying, hey, and like with me, that we call that value stacking, right? Like, so in my school, I go, hey, yeah, other schools don't, uh, you know, they might do other things, but this is what we give that's above and beyond sticker rewards for the kids, perfect attendance for the kids, you know, a whole entire program, you know, and I go through all these different things. And, well, and even now with the, with the app through spark and your online video based curriculum, you know, oh, it used yeah. to be, and I've told, I've told people, you know, I used to have DVDs that, that were for sale right and now that's all included. Like you don't, you know, the problem with the DVD is you give it to a kid. It's going to get scratched in three weeks if they're using right. it. And, and even if you don't have a DVD player anymore. Yeah, well, but uh, what I'm saying is that it used to be the kids would scratch it and the parents would go, I'm not going to go spend 40 bucks on that again. Right, exactly. You know, and but you know, the, the app, you mentioned that our app is through Spark. And you know, I had a guy the other day said, uh, he was calling me up about a website design. He said, I know you're a fan of Spark. Don't ask me about my software. I'm like, I know they sponsor you. So I'm like, okay, don't worry. You could use a crappy software if you want. No, but here's the deal. We talked about them before they ever became a sponsor. I know. That's the truth, though, because we were we were people who are using it and benefiting from it. So we would we would probably talk about not I hope they're not listening, but we'd probably still continue to talk about it long after they sponsored us because this is what we do. I'm smitten by Spark. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Exactly. I once said to them jokingly, and I think they put it in an ad. I said, if if I was single, I'd be dating Spark. That's how much I loved it and how much time I spend with it. Right. Yeah. Um, so so another thing, too, that I wanted to add to this was and there's 20. I guarantee we're not going to get through hard because we're halfway through our, our podcast. But we want it. Uh, number two was uh, I had said before was recognize in your industry what turns people off. You should know that by knowing your competition, right? And then learn how to nip it in the bud and spin it to your advantage, which you do when people say, hey, "I want to look around," and you have your seven steps to finding a good school, right? Which which value stacks what you do that they don't do, which is amazing. And value stacking is so important. What that means to the listener is, you know, like. We don't realize until we think about it all the things that we give our clients that are yep. included. We just say, hey, it's a $150 a month in tuition. You know, but do you give them a uniform? Yes. Do you give them weapon training? Yes. That's other schools may not do that. You know, do they learn grappling? I, they might have to pay an additional cost for that. Like in uh, in Tiger Shulman by us, they they charge a la carte for many di different programs. If you want to learn weapons, it's a different program. If you want to learn, you know, uh, you know, um, other things like uh, you know, self-defense, it's a different program, right? So you value stack that stuff. So the third thing is gathering a feedback whenever necessary, like always trying to ask people for their opinion on what they think about your school. Like I often ask clients of mine to poll their people and say in a hundred words or less, tell me what your vision of our school is. Explain it to me in a hundred words. Like, are we a, and then you give them an example, um, a family based martial art. Are we this and that? And then they find out about themselves. Like one of my guys, uh, and you know, him, Rick Kellerman, he's often on the calls. Um, and a friend of mine, and he, uh, he did that with his clients and he didn't realize how many of them said we're a family. We're a, 
we're like-minded people working together. We're, we're a clan, you know, like that stuff. And he didn't really think about that in his marketing. He was just teaching Kung Fu, you know, and he didn't realize that how much that his school had become a family unit and, and a model on that. So we need to gather feedback whenever necessary. You, you make sure you let him know that he shouldn't use the word clan in his uh, <laughs> advertising. I'm just saying. I, I, I understand that too, but in ours, we have that. I do, I'm careful of that, but I actually, we're a ninja, ninja clan. Too, it's a clan. I mean, that's right, a ninja clan, and also known as a con, with con, K A N, as family. But I've been very careful about that. Because, isn't it a stupid world that we live in where we have to be so careful about everything? Like, you know, like I often will say something that's totally normal, but then go to myself, oh my God, is there anyone in the room that that word may have offended? You know that, and, and the word is just a word, but the way people spin everything, everyone's offended about something these days. And it's so hard to even write on social media because people perceive it differently because when you use a word or do this or that. Um, but anyway, understanding, you know, that, you know, get, gathering feedback and number three, understanding what, here, oh, this one is four, understanding what a true customer's value is so you work hard for them. So we've done this before, you and I, like, uh, the value is not $140 a month times 12. The student it's, value, yeah. The student value is the whole tuition for the year, plus if they stay normally for two years, so it's double, plus if they refer a friend and they buy retail and they come to a special event. So sometimes we, you know, we don't realize how valuable those clients are. Like I have a few clients, I swear to God, I, I, I don't understand it, but they're paying $500, $600 a month for a family to train. I'm going like, that's a small, that's a model, uh, a model three Tesla payment, you know, like, or that's a condo in, you know, in, you know, one of the, the Florida's or Carolina's, right? Like that you could buy. So they're giving up a portion of their livelihood for us. So we have to always remember that we have to be very thankful for that and always express that to our clientele as much as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, if somebody wants to, if you don't know how to calculate student value, um, you can go to schoolownertalk.com. We do have a report on there. It's our martial arts business manifesto. It, you can download it there and it will it will go over the student value with you among a bunch of other things. But that was actually probably the most, uh, the, the thing that people liked the most was student value and what your time is worth, right? In that well, that and, um, you know, your space too, like how many, you know, the, the, the dimensions of your floor, how many people you actually can have on the floor and, right. uh, you know, and how that equates to, you know, your monetary value uh, in your school. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone, that's what people are like, wow, I never thought of it that way. So, mm -hmm. um, so the next one, and I probably think is the most important out of all 20 of these, although that they're really good is... Um, learn how to exceed customers' expectations. Like, what do they expect from you? What do you think about that? Well, and that's where, like, Grandmaster Hafner would always talk about, and I love this word, he would always say, um, you know, try, do things that will allow you to be remarkable. Right. Everything that you do in your business, just be remarkable. Mm -hmm. you think of that word remarkable, um, you know, what, what does that mean? That just means that people are going to, you know, talk about you, right? That, that it, like what you're talking about, that it exceeded their expectations mm -hmm. because you did X, Y, or Z or A, B, and C. Um, right. Now, this is easy to do, but hard. This is easy to do when someone's sick and you actually take time to write them a get well card and send it off in the mail to them. It, 
I, I say that's easy because it's something that's right in your face. Right. Um, there's a problem going on and then you're able to, you know, send that off. Um, but how often do we get that information and then don't follow through with that? Yeah. Right. Um, so I think with what you're talking about, it's setting yourself up with success um, uh, and looking at your business at every stage of the business. Right. Meaning from, you know, they're a, they're a trial student mm -hmm. to becoming a student to their first belt, their second belt, their third. What, what can you do to exceed their expectations all the way up to black belt and beyond? Yeah. Um, and what I and we've done a call similar to this years ago. And, and when we, we got into some nitty gritty with it, but, um, and I forget what the call was called, uh, but we gave some actionable things with regards to that. And on all I told the listeners was, I know all this information we gave you uh, could be overwhelming and you're looking at it going, oh my gosh, I got to put like a, you know, a 10 year uh, uh, system together. Right. And yes, you do. Mm -hmm. But. But all you do is you take it with your with your, the set of white belts that you have right now. Yeah. And you follow those white belts for the next 10 years and you just write it as you go. And so everybody else, you know, everybody else now after these set of white belts that are starting are going to get that information. It's not that you want to neglect the people that you already have, but, but right. you're only one person and you can't write the whole thing and, and like make it good. Mm hmm for 10 years right now, but you can, if you start right now and, and you're going to be open for 10 years at least, right. Or many yeah, more. Yeah. So you might as well take that next 10 years and just slowly write that. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out. That's awesome. And it actually leads into the next thing, you, you know, but, uh, but quickly though. Um, so we have a process when we do black belts and they're black belt candidates, they have to go through a six month training course and then they test for their black belt. So I did exactly what you did. And I put an automation together for those black belt candidates. And so my, the typical process would be, we have a meeting with them and I try to remember everything I'm supposed to say and rah, rah, rah. And we all disperse. Right. But, um, years ago I knew that I was always forgetting things and always missing things and so on. So I did an automation through spark where once they're up for their black belt, they get a series of letters and in the letters, it's each step. They then take a questionnaire, they sign things, they get downloads and all this stuff. And, um, my guy, Ryan, he's like, well, we have to have a meeting. I go, Ryan, this entire process that they've been in has been the meeting, but we're still doing a meeting on Friday. Um, but they've gone through every step and the ones that are in there already filled out the forms. They already paid their black belt fee. They already filled out the questionnaire, what they want written on their belt. I mean, it was all laid out where it was just a push of a button, put Dwayne in the process and tag him with a black belt candidate. And then boom, you're in it. And I'm not going to forget because it's there. Right. And I normally would forget, even though like, oh, dude, I forget why I went in the kitchen and, you know, I'm like in there going like, but I forget sometimes I'm on email and I'm, I pull up another site to do something that was triggered off the email. And I can't remember why I was on the site now. So, so like, you, you know what that's called, right? When you finality? go into the, no, no, no. When you go in the other room and forgot what you went, no. went in there for, right? That, 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 that means you believe in the hereafter, mm -hmm. right? You walk in the room and you go, what was I here after? Yeah, exactly. My, my mom is 84 years old. The other day I FaceTime her and she's walking around the house. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? She goes, I'm looking for something. So I'm just talking to her as she's looking. And I'm like, what are you looking for? Like 10 minutes into her walking around the house. She goes, I don't know. 
I'm like, well, I'm going to keep walking until I remember. Yeah. So she figured she'd just keep on walking until I remember. But, but if I said to her, if you don't know what you're looking for, how are you going to remember what you're looking for? Like it's, it's a vicious process. So, um, but I, I believe that we can automate a lot of those things. And, but, but I have to say, here's one thing that, um, and you know, this Dwayne, like over the last two and a half years, three years, I've been re-motivated to be the best teacher and run my school. And I've really focused, I've, focus less on alternate businesses and more on my school. And um, I know every single student's name. I know the parents by name. You know, years ago, I, I would have people training me for a year and go, "Who? what's your name, buddy? You know, now I know everybody and everything and everything they want to accomplish. I talk to every parent and, and that, and I do it not because it's a good thing to do, which it is, but I do it because I'm genuinely interested. And I really feel, um, a real deep connection to every single student. And that's why too, I'm very personally upset when someone quits or they get angry because I really feel connected to them and I want them to benefit it. But that kind of mentality is what has, is, has stellar customer service written all over it, right? You gotta really know what you're doing. I have a trophy company, go ahead. Now, as I say, we're a personality driven business. I mean, any way you look at it, we can systemize things and we should, yeah. Um, but we, and we can put personality, our personality into videos and, and, yeah. and somewhat into text, but it doesn't replace the human interaction right. that needs to happen. And, yes. and I can attest to this where, you know, I hired a program director and she, uh, and, and I, it was spark. I was almost hesitant to not do it mm -hmm. just, just because, um, there's so much that I can do a spark that I almost don't need somebody at the front desk. Right, right, right. Well, I decided to go ahead and do it because I wanted to take myself out of the picture, right? I didn't want to have to be the one that's always there. And, um, well, lo and behold, she, you know, she's doing the um, uh, the enrollment conferences. And, you know, not only is she signing people up, she's overcoming the, the objections, if there are any. She's doing add-ons, meaning she's selling a second uniform. Like last night, she sold the second uniform because it's a split family, and each one of them wanted to have a uniform at the house. And right. she talks to parents, going, "Hey, you know what? You 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 ought to, you know, your son's doing this. Why don't you do it with him? It's a great connection. I do it with my kids. I have parents that are joining uh, their kids because she's talking about it. Right. That." the emotional side of that can't happen through the video can't right. happen through the text right as effectively as the face-to-face one-on-one right. of course and you know what no no one like i'll give you an example i i ordered trophies from my trophy company uh for perfect attendance that we give out and um they made a mistake so i called them up and the woman who's a, uh, one of the main people there total attitude like you know like like it was my fault that they made the wrong trophy and i felt like i've been dealing with them for 30 years like i spend seven grand on my tournament alone um but i kind of felt like holy crow like why why am i being treated like i'm bothering her like i understand maybe she was in a bad mood or they're having a hard time but that's more reason to treat me better because i'm the one spending money and i'm understanding oh you mail me the wrong ones i'll keep them because i'll use them later you know that kind of thing but i felt like oh my god like are you kidding me like like, so we have to understand that everyone has feelings. Everyone wants to be connected. Every parent doesn't care about what you do for everyone, although they like that. They only really care about what you're doing for their child because they didn't sign everyone up. They signed their child up to get the benefits. And we don't, 
do that, if we don't understand that, then there's no sense in trying to communicate, right? We have to be connected to them. Yeah. And, and it's all about them. You're right. I mean, they, they, they want to, so in, in a conversation, we need to make sure that we're asking the questions and that we're listening. Right. And there is not a parent that doesn't want to talk about their kids and most, yeah, you know, so they could care less about, I know this is the the cliche, right? That people could care less about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. um, but but that is absolutely true. And and I think one of the best things that we can do as school owners is become really good listeners, right? And then action takers based upon the information that we just listened to, right? Right. Like that's the second piece. Just don't hear what they said but really listen and put to action what they're telling you yeah absolutely and by the way that leads into the next one too like you when you see them you would think i have that list in front of me and i don't you don't it really but you're like on the money we must have done this before um but uh but the next thing and it leads totally into knowing who they are is to greet your customers and i want to phrase this because it used to be greet your customers as if they were the president of the United States um, or, and then I write, or some other important person on your list. So nowadays it seems like we don't treat people of authority with respect or people, you know, every, it seems like if someone is on a higher level of fame, fortune, um, whatever, people tend to want to trash them these days, right? So I think you have to be very careful with becoming um, or getting put on a pedestal because that will only encourage people to knock you off of it, right? And then they, when I moved my school to the both, I condensed the two schools down and people saw that I was no longer in my building after 30 years, I got three or four hate mails anonymously going like, I'm really glad you went out of business, you know, that kind of thing. You even had someone who post on our, on our page. Um, why would I listen to Ali when he closed his school? Like not knowing that I've been there for 30 years and whatever went on. So again, we have to make sure that our customers know that they're the most important thing to us or person to us. And we also have to make sure that they understand like not only is their kid important, but they're important. And we want to develop some sort of rapport because if we have rapport, people are less likely to side with the negative, you know, that parent in the lobby, I can't believe it. You see what he just did, you know, and then they go, no, he was great. My, my kid went through something similar and, and, and man, they were right. They held them back and they, you know, so you have to make sure that you develop that relationship, but it's always starts with the greeting and, you know, that personal greeting, you know, that I know that people were fearful of me just because I'm a Shihan or whatever. And they stay, I'm standoffish. So I try to go out of my way to be, you know, more friendlier and less Shihan like so that people feel connected to me, if that makes sense. It perfectly does. I mean, I've never had an ego um, out on the floor talking to a parent, you know, any of that. And, and I think that, that you, and you've often said that, you know, martial arts, um, you know, martial arts school owners are sometimes hard to deal with because they're, they have egos. And, and, um, I don't know that I've ever had that problem. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I will stand up for what I believe in. Um, and I will, and I have kicked people out of the studio. Right. But I just, from the onset, it's just, you know, I really try to, I don't know, listen to what they have to say and learn what I can help them with. And if there's something I can't, I apologize for it and say, you know, I'm not equipped to help you in that area. I wish I could, but you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm not equipped. 
and and I learned that um, that phrase from uh, Melody Schumann, you know, when when she had had said that, uh, you know, what you want to tell the the parent if there's a child that you're literally not able to help and you don't want in your school because you can't help them, right? You, know, you just tell them it's your fault. We're just not equipped to, you know, help your child, and I'm sorry. Yeah, and um, by the way, I don't think it's Melody Schumann anymore. I think it's um, I think she was married, and it's different. I forget. It what is. Yeah, but I just don't remember what it is. So right, yeah, but, but um, most people know that name. So no, but but yeah, but I want right. to give her credit with with that phrase because I didn't come up with it. Yeah, and you know, and and she's right because it's found. I found that very often the people that we put the most time into and the people that we flex for, like we're flexible for, and we work around their schedule, around their issues, around their, their mentality, they're the ones that will turn on you. And like, for example, this mom who just turned on me to like, you would think like, how could she hate me that much that within two interactions on the phone, even if I sounded like a jerk, um, she may have thought to herself, well, maybe he's having a bad day or maybe he's not really a jerk. Maybe he just talks with confidence or, you know, but, but no, I don't think that way. No, they don't don't think that way. Yeah. You only have one chance to make a first impression. And by the way, sometimes the first impression is made long before you ever met them you know if they just see like um you know we joke around with our kids we yell in class we're sarcastic and joking with the kids you know and um she took offense to that you know like ah oh, they're sarcastic and they're this and that and they belittle the nothing to do with that that was her perception of what it is the reality is quite skewed right um, you know so um all right listen i'm gonna i'll go over a few more because we're like 12 minutes away all right fire and, away now and, and, and we'll just Make a quick comment. All right. You want me to just read? So I'll read them. So um, number six is greet the customers as if they were the president of the United States or us or another important person, right? Um, uh, someone who could remember what state they were in <laughs> so, or, where, or what their job is. Um, that's a, a plug uh, at uh, you know, our administration. And number seven, learn and develop charisma and conversational skills. I know that sounds funny, but I remember in the TV show Friends, I don't know if you, I don't think you've ever watched Friends right i've watched it but i didn't watch it when it was so so joe joey's an actor and and he's teaching an acting class and he starts off and it's funny he writes his name on the board but he's not looking at it the name is like all over the place you know and then he turns to people and he says you know first of all the first thing you guys all have to do is become better looking Right. You know, so it's like, that's his simple methodology. Right. So uh, it was pretty funny, but we definitely want to learn and develop charisma and conversational skills. And what I mean by that is you could learn public speaking skills, how to develop relationships. A great book is raving fans, right. Or leadership qualities. I'm reading a great book, by the way, Joanne, I don't know if you read it. It's called can't hurt me. It was recommended by Gus Lopez and Kenny Bigby's mentioned in the book. It's a Navy seal that trained with Kenny Bigby and he mentions Kenny in the book and how they went through budge training. And it was kind of cool. I'm like, I know that guy, he's in this book, you know? So, so yeah, it was all about, um, you know, learning and developing charisma and conversational skills. Um, number eight, give the customer something, create a customer service experience, figure out what they like and what you could give. Like even an old t-shirt, not old used, but something that's not selling. You get a brand new parent, it's a dead inventory, give it to them. You have no idea how, well, that goes over. I bought 50 books from Solomon Brenner called Black Belt Parenting, and I give them to all the parents as a gift. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I have, uh, there was a, 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 
a girl that my son went to school with and she makes these bracelets and stuff. So I bought, I don't know how many I bought, but I bought some off of her and they're girl bracelets. And then every once in a while, there'll be a, a girl sibling, you know, in the, in the lobby. And I'll say, Hey, do you like bracelets? And Oh yeah. I say, Hey, I've got uh, a few to pick from. I'd like to right. give you one. Yeah. Just, just a present for no reason at all. Yeah. You know, those, yeah. Beautiful. Just like that. Yep. Yeah, and I used to, uh, I have this little plush toy. I think I've shown him. This is one of them, but he's not on the market, but I did an eagle, right? I give him out. So I have these eagles. I have hundreds of them in stock. When I bought them, I had to buy like 3,000 to get the deal I wanted. But I try to sell them, and not a lot of people would buy them. So now I have them. When I get a brand new kid through the door, even if they don't sign up, I'm like, I want to give you a little gift to bring home. And and these little kids will show back up to the next class with their little eagle, and they'll they'll put them on the shelf or put them in the corner, and they'll do their class. So it's amazing at how that little offer of, of giving something means so much, right? And that's another thing. So um, the next one is uh, give the customer, oh no, the next one is always look your best and be all that you can be. I think that this is underrated. Like Tiger Schulman is great at that. They've been known to fire people for getting fat if they if they were scruffy. Like they wanted their brand to be a certain way. Buff, good looking, tight hair, you know, in shape, you know, that kind of mentality because that was their brand, right? So you want to make sure at minimum your instructors don't look like they've been sleeping in the backyard um, before they came their out. uniform is, uh, is, yeah. is dressed and ready to go. Yeah. And, or yeah. at least a minimum clean and, and, and looks good, you know, like, so you got to make sure because um, perception is reality, right? Absolutely. And then, um, you know, uh, make sure your business always looks like the Taj Mahal. And I wrote down, this is written way before uh, Trump was president. So I wrote, and the Trump Taj Mahal, which he no longer has and he sold years ago. But, um, but like, you know what, you want to make sure when people walk in, they see, like I have people that walk in and they, and they do, they do this, they go, they're smelling the place. Right. And I'm worried, like, what are they smelling? And they go, Oh my God, this place smells like you just sanitized it two seconds ago. I'm going like, it's, we are sticklers for cleaning and sanitizing. We spray the table every time we, we get in, that's what we do for a half an hour. It, to yeah. us, and we don't just do it for the perception. We do it because that's part of our process. Right. Um, and, uh, also, uh, it says develop yourself to be amazing over the telephone, learning how to be conversational, learning how to talk to people, always act like a gentleman or a woman, treat others that you would, how you would like to be treated. That's another one. Um, learn each and everyone's names. I was going to say my, my son uh, did a course in college this past time and, and uh, I, we were talking about the golden rule, right? You know, treat others how you want to be treated. Right. And he, he said to me, he goes, uh, he goes, well, we learned that we, we should treat others how they want to be treated. That's a good one. I, yeah, at first I was, uh, I don't want to say offended, but I was, at first I was like, hey, wait, you can't supersede the golden rule. You right. know, right. after like sitting back and like marinating on it, I, I, I started thinking about that. Yeah, I need to meet people where they're at, not treat them how I want to be treated but treat them, you know, how they want to be treated. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really good uh, uh, thought. I really did. Well, I had, I had a mom maybe about four weeks ago. I wasn't in, she came in to buy gear. Ryan was closing out class. His helpers were starting a new class. And then um, 
one of the kid's parents didn't show up to pick the kid up. So he was walking outside to see if the car was there and the mom felt neglected. The mom happens to manage a store. So she reamed me out. I mean, like she really kind of went off on me. And then I was like, please let me help you in any way, shape or form. And um, anyway, long story short, we went back and forth. You know, he did this, he did that. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. What can I do to help? We're wrong. We'll fix it. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, she just was not letting up. She was like ripping into me. And every I felt like I kept being nice and she kept getting deeper and meaner. But anyway, long story short, we ended on a good note. Um, she wanted to buy the gear. So she didn't because he was busy. So I said, I'll handle it for you. And, and then a week later, she finally got back to me and said, I'd like to get that gear. Can you give me the special price that you're doing? I said, absolutely. And I'd like to actually give you 20% off. And she's like, no, I don't deserve that. I just want the 10% off that I tried to get it at that time. And now it seems like she's a raving fan. I see her, she waves, she's happy, she brings her kid in. Um, so I hope that I've overcome her her objections and her negativity by a customer service, uh, I, I want to call it a redo or a, uh, um, I don't know, I don't even have a term for it, but to fix it, a fixed customer yeah, yeah. service negative experience, right? Yeah. Um, okay, you said learn to listen, I think, before. You got to learn to listen. That's another one on the list. Um, exceed all customers' expectations. Um, take care of all customer issues and complaints quickly and make sure that you follow up on them. Like on this mom, I did follow up again and I said, is everything still okay? Are we doing good? She said, yeah, everything is fine. So I think so, that maybe now I got a raving fan maybe. Yeah, uh, so I learned this from Grandmaster Hafner is she says you, you apologize, right? Solve the problem, apologize. Then you write a little note, again, apologizing. Right. And then next time you see them, you or a couple of weeks later, you kind of do the follow-up, like what you were talking about and say, hey, you know, look, I, again, I'm really sorry about that. I want to make sure that we're still, you know, everything is still okay, yada, yada, yada. He yeah. said, you do those three times, he said, everything will be golden. That's awesome. And by the way, you speak about Grandmaster Hafner quite often. We should try to reach out to him and get him on the show. He sounds like an amazing individual. We'll see if he, uh, I'll ask him. I doubt he'll do it though. Yeah. Okay. I did have someone the other day that I asked and I said, would you like to be on our podcast? And they said, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but uh, anyway, so here's the last ones real quick. So I said, uh, um, exceed all customer expectations, take care of all customer issues, complaints, or problems quickly. Always keep in touch with your clients. Always. Like if you are reaching out and you think that you're reaching out to everyone, I bet you there's a ton of people that you haven't spoken to. So that's why I always, with Spark, I go into my new student maximizer and I always communicate up to seven months. I'll say, well, how are classes going, Dwayne? Are you enjoying yourself? Do you have any questions? And I have all these pre-made texts. So all I have to do is call customer follow-up one, two, three, four, five and I pushed one and it takes me seconds, but it's a very personal experience and people will respond. Um, the next one is develop a customer service protocol. Like what are the steps you do when people are upset? You know, step one, we do like you said, send them a note. Number two, send them a follow-up note. Number three, see them in person and, and follow up. Like you should have some sort of protocol or rule um, that you follow every single time. And uh, the other one is interesting. You and I have had a call on this was get rid of the bad apples out with the old in with the new, because those bad apples can poison so many good apples, right? Um, and uh, we have to be cognizant of knowing like the complainers, the, the issue starters, the troublemakers, right? And, um, and, and get rid of them because they're doing nothing, but I don't know why they're there. 
and they're complaining about what we do while they're showing up every day. I had a guy recently that I got rid of. I wouldn't renew. He wanted me to redo my contract for him. And I said, it looks like it's time to move on. And uh, he wrote this other thing on Facebook about it. And, you know, he, he didn't like my contract. So he posted it online. And, um, but anyway, long story short, all the people that know him knew that he was trouble. Like that all the parents said to me, I, I, we, we couldn't stand being around him, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then always develop a common bond with each and every client. Like, what is it that they did that you did? People don't get that. Like I'm kind of that way with everything where, um, Someone talks about a topic. I, I can tell you a story about some experience that I've had. Everyone has that in their lives. They just have not taken the time to log those stories or want to bring them up. You know, like, oh, I was bullied as a kid, too. Or I, you know, went on a school trip and, you know, this everything you have common ground with everybody. You just got to find it and then and develop it. And that's my 20 tips. That's perfect. And, and see, we got them all in. Yeah, we certainly did. And and by the way, it, it was great chatting with you about it because it's a reminder to me of a lot of things that I could be doing better. Well, haven't, haven't we forgotten more than we've implemented? Yes. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. We've forgotten more than we've implemented. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up uh, is that we, uh, we kind of touched on, but uh, we didn't like outwardly say is we need to be... Um, we need to be available to talk to somebody either on the phone or in person and not just through digital means. Right. And be um, I, I, you know, I have a, uh, a lady that I'll be doing a call with uh, this afternoon. Um, she, her daughter's a little overwhelmed and she wants to take a break, but yet she's on the black belt testing process right now. And it's so that, that can't be done over text. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and if, if she's not, doesn't have the time to meet me in person, we need to do it over the phone. Like, so we need to make sure that we're, I know that COVID did some really good things for us because it got people on our apps. It got them looking at emails more. It got them looking at text messages more and responding in those, those ways. But I, I think that the old face-to-face -face and the old telephone um, is still applicable. And then sometimes yeah. it is more important than we may realize. So, so I know yeah. we've gotten comfortable. We got to be careful with that. And through text messaging, I'm able to set balls in motion so that when we meet in person, a lot of the barriers have been broken down. I'm like, hey, Dwayne, I'm the guy who's been texting you for the last four days. So good to meet you in person. And I've already said that I can't wait to meet you tomorrow or whatever the case may be. So um, and then when we meet, we've already done all of that stuff because we already almost know each other, know that right. what the client wants, what they're looking for, and then we could start our relationship in person. So it's awesome. Well, Dwayne, thanks. I know we're out of time and we ran a minute over. So thank you very much for being here as well. And, and I think we have an outro that we play and we're all good. Yep. I'm going to play it now. All right, but I'll talk to you soon. Great talking to you and seeing you. And thank you to all the listeners that uh, watch and follow us. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out EliteInsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com SparkMembership.com The best darn software for school owner manager on the planet.
GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems. We will see you next time.